Welcome to the River Life Podcast. As you listen, we pray that you will encounter Jesus and allow His words to wash you anew. May He reveal more of who He is to your heart. Here's the message for this week. Well, it is my honour, my pleasure now to invite our Elder E. Young who will continue uh, on our Rebuilding the Altar sermon series. Elder E. Young. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Dinah. Good morning, River Life. Good morning. What a beautiful morning. And I'm so glad that we are in the house of the Lord this morning. Uh, you know, it always touches my heart when, whenever a young adult comes up to share. And I'm so blessed by Brother Jonathan's testimony this, this morning. And uh, who chooses to be rooted in this house and really flourishing and growing in his faith. And, and, you know, this thing about Alpha, those of us who have been through it, you know, it's really God's gift to the church. Uh, God has used this, this, this man of God, Nikki Gumbel, um, serving faithfully uh, for about 50 years. And I think recently I saw a post that he's uh, beginning to step down from, from Holy Trinity Brompton. But God so used this man to bring so many people that are lost in the world to come to him through Alpha. So, you know, uh, we used to run Workplace Alpha and uh, run Alpha in the, the workplace and my office was actually used as one of the venues and every time we run it, God is so faithful. And every time, every run, there will be either a salvation or a rededication. So I just want to encourage us, you know, uh, participate in, in, in any way, right, uh, in, in this uh, godly endeavour that we are doing. Um, okay, this morning, uh, sorry, I, I got the, the, the mic late, so uh, it might overrun a little bit, just send my apologies in advance. But you know what? Today, let's be God-conscious. Amen? Let's be God-conscious and not be time-conscious. Because as I was praying and I was just asking the Lord, God, what do you want to do in our midst this morning? And I just heard the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. I really want to meet my people at the altar. I really want to meet my people at the altar. And I believe that's what the heart of God is for us this morning, that the Lord wishes to encounter us. You know, you might come into church feeling confused, but the Lord wants you to live with clarity. You might be coming to church feeling stressed and feeling burdened, but the Lord wants you to live with your burdens lifted. You might come to church this morning defeated, but the Lord wants you to walk out victorious. And that what, that's what encountering the presence of God does to us. Last week, we talked uh, a bit about Elijah rebuilding uh, the altar of God with the stones of identity. And understanding our identity in Christ is really key to encountering God's presence because you have to understand that God is our Heavenly Father and we are His, His beloved sons and daughters. So we left last week with the thought and the encouragement to come, to come and take our rightful place as his sons and daughters 
at the altar of God. You know, Jesus knew exactly who he was. Jesus knew exactly whose he was. Right? And the devil, we saw, tempted Jesus to prove his identity. But every time Jesus replied, it is written, it is written, it is written. And he rested in the simple truth of the Father's words. And he didn't need to prove anything about himself. Today we delve, we delve deeper in looking at the biggest threat to our identity. And the big word we want to explore today is the word that's another word that starts with I, which is insecurity. You know, identity takes us into God's presence, but insecurity takes us away from God's presence. And insecurity has its roots in fear because we live in a fear-driven environment. We live in an increasingly VUCA world. Who has heard of this term VUCA? Some hands are up. VUCA stands for volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. And that's what our world has, has become. When we look at the things happening in the world, it makes us fearful, it makes us insecure. The geopolitical climate, we just went through two and a half years of pandemic, the Ukraine war, rising food prices, no chicken to eat, rising car prices, rising house prices. And money, the monies in our bank accounts can disappear because of phishing scam. So the world tells us that we can count on no one except ourselves. Isn't it true? The world celebrates self-made success. And we have this term called the self-made man. So we have, as a result, a, a natural bent to distrust people. And not just people, but God. And the, the fact is, brothers and sisters, we find it hard. We find it hard to trust God. But you know what? The Bible tells us that God holds our destiny in His hand. And the steps of a righteous man is determined by the Lord. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 to 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. But still, I struggle. But still, you struggle. All of us struggle. So why do we struggle with trusting God? I ask this question, why? Insecurity. We all have been let down. We all have faced disappointments. We all have been hurt by people. So sometimes we project our bad experiences on God and we find it difficult 
to believe that God has our back, that God will come through for us. And we sold into this belief that we've got to forge our own path, we've got to make our own destiny, we've got to make our own decisions, we've got to find our own way. And sometimes that's where we deviate, we start to compromise, we start to look for things outside the will of God. We start to build our own kingdom and act out of orphanhood and not sonship. So this morning, we want to, to come back to this question, how can we overcome our insecurities? And I would like to invite all of us to read a portion of Scripture found in 2 Samuel 24. Uh, shall we all rise to read it together? 2 Samuel chapter 24, verses 18 to 25. Let's read together. One, two, three. On that day, Gad went to David and said to him, Go up and build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Araunah the Jebusite. So David went up as the Lord had commanded through God. When Araunah looked and saw the king and his officials coming toward him, he went out and bowed down before the king with his face to the ground. Araunah said, Why has my lord the king come to his servant? To buy your threshing floor, David answered, so I can build an altar to the Lord that the plague on the people may be stopped. Araunah said to David, Let my lord the king take whatever he wishes and offer it up. Here are oxen for the burnt offering, and here are threshing sledges and ox yokes for the wood. Your majesty, Araunah gives all this to the king. Araunah also said to him, May the Lord your God accept you. But the king replied to Araunah, No, I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen and paid 50 shekels of silver for them. David built an altar to the Lord there and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. Then the Lord answered his prayer in behalf of the land and the plague on Israel was stopped. Let us pray together. Father, I just want to thank you for this morning, God, that, Lord, you are speaking to us. And, Father, we pray for all our hearts, all the hearts of my brothers and sisters, God, that we will hearken, Lord, Father, our ears to your voice, the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray, Father, Lord God, we will receive you and your word into our hearts, and we will bear fruit 30, 60, and 104. And we pray, God, Lord, that you lift us, lift off our burdens in our hearts today. Lord, that you come and help us to overcome our insecurities. And Lord, I pray, God, for anxiety and worry, this giant, Lord, to be slain in your presence this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please have a seat. Well, this may not be a very familiar story uh, to, to, to perhaps some of us. And uh, it talked about a, a sin that, that David actually committed. And we all know that David was a righteous king. And David, you know, for many years of his life, of course, he led a godly life. He always trusted God. But the context to, to, this, to this story, which led to the altar that David built, 
was in First Chronicles chapter twenty-one, verse one, and it says that that Satan rose up against Israel and incited David to take a census of Israel. So David said to Joab and the commanders of the troops, "Go and count the Israelites from Beersheba to Dan." Then report back to me so that I can know how many there are. But Joab replied, May the Lord multiply his troops a hundred times over. My Lord the King, are they not all my Lord's subjects? Why does my Lord want to do this? Why should he bring guilt on Israel? So brothers and sisters, we see that Satan actually rose up against Israel and he actually incited David to take a census to basically count the number of fighting men in Israel. And there's another account in 2 Samuel 24, verse 1, says it was God, right, who incited David to take the census, to count the fighting men. Now, so is it, is it Satan or is it God? And scholars Biblical scholars actually reconciled the two. And it was actually Satan who incited David. But God eventually allowed it. He permitted Satan to tempt David the king. And Satan was actually the actual mover while God actually only withdrew his supporting grace and the enemy prevailed against the king. So as a result, David went to number Israel's fighting men. And David did so despite his commander Joab's concern. And Joab said, why do you really want to do this, my king? But David disregarded that advice and he went ahead to number the fighting men. So first of all, there is a lesson for us because God has, has already put community in our midst, around us to give us godly counsel. And David disregarded the godly counsel of Joab. So even as we put ourselves in David's shoes, you know, I want to ask us, is there a Joab in your life that you have disregarded? Is there a Joab in your life that you have disregarded? But you say, wait a minute, wait a minute, you know, what's wrong with, what's wrong with uh, counting strength, you know? And don't we do it all the time? Don't we, we, we take a stock take of our resources? Don't we account our sheep? Don't we count our cell members? Don't we, uh, you know, take a, a stock take of our finances? And we'd like to show you a, a verse to explain uh, what David did wrong here. In, in Psalm chapter 20, verse 7, it says, Some trust in horses and some trust in chariots, but we trust in the name of our Lord. And the truth of the matter is David trusted God all his life. Because every time David went to conquer land, he won. Not because he had a strong army, not because he had a large army, because there were times he was outnumbered. But because God fought his battles and gave him the victory. And David knew that he didn't have to count his fighting men because God 
with God and Him, the victory is secured. But this round, Satan sowed a seed of insecurity. Satan sowed a seed of doubt in David so that he no longer trusted the Lord. And he turned, his trust turned to his military power, to his own strength, his own resources. So Satan managed to take David out of his trust with God. So some of us might, might ask this question, you know, uh, why was God so angry? Why was God so irate with the senses? I want to show you another verse that is in Exodus chapter 30, verse 12. And in Exodus 30, verse 12, God told Moses, when you take a census of the Israelites to count them, each one must pay the Lord a ransom for his life at the time he is counted. Then no plague will come on them when you number them. So in those times, a man only had the right to count or to number what belonged to him. Israel did not belong to David because Israel belonged to God. So it was, upon, it was up to God to command a census and if David counted the men, he should only have done it at God's command. And the Lord says that you need to pay a ransom you need to pay for the counting. You need to atone for the counting because they belong to me. So when David counted the fighting man, he was actually usurping, usurping God's ownership of Israel. And David was telling God that he now was the master of Israel. And David's insecurity has fully expressed itself in pride in presumptuousness and he's telling himself that my kingdom is secure because I have a large army. He's telling the nations around to say, look at the number and strength of my fighting men. Don't mess with me. Does it sound familiar? Because David actually had a huge kingdom because of God's favour, of God's grace and God's anointing. But by counting the fighting men, David is saying that I am the master and maker of my own success. Because this seed of insecurity, behind insecurity is this fear is this fear that people won't accept us or value us unless they know how great we are? And before we know it, we, we start to mention about our achievements, our, our CV, you know, and we see it all over LinkedIn. And on LinkedIn, everyone, every day I get posting to say, oh, you know, I want to thank so-and-so, I want to thank so-and-so, 
But behind that thanksgiving, behind that so-called humility, it's always about an achievement. It's always about an award. It's always about a qualification they, they want to register, that they want to put down on record in full sight of everyone. So brothers and sisters, if we are not careful, we get swept away by the cultural torrents, by the cultural waters, the currents of needing to prove our worth. But God tells us that our achievements, no matter how impressive, is not what gives us our value. It is only the fact that we are blood-washed sons and daughters of the Most High, deeply loved, highly favoured by God. That's where we find our value. That's where we find our worth. So coming back to David, you know, it wasn't just a, a personal sin. It was a national sin because the whole of Israel participated in the census. And, and Joab took 10 months to go over all of Israel, uh, counting every fighting man, every one that held a weapon. And he came back with the number, 1.3 million fighting men, 800,000 in northern Israel and 500,000 in southern Judah. In, in 2 Samuel 24 verse 10, it, it says, that David was conscience-stricken after he had counted the fighting men. And he said to God, Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I have done. Now, Lord, I beg you, take away the guilt of your servant because I have done a very foolish thing. It was then that God gave David three choices, each of them a, a heavy consequences, each of them a judgment. And David had to choose either three years of famine or three months of fleeing from enemies while they pursue him or three days of plague in the land of Israel. And David was asked to choose. And today, in our context, we could be facing consequences as a result of our insecurities as a result of our pride, is perhaps as a result of our insecurities expressed as anxiety and worry. And really one real toxic consequences of insecurity indeed is this thing called worry and anxiety. And it is, brothers and sisters, a chronic problem of this fast-paced society that we, we live in. According to a Signal 360 well-being survey that was done in 2019, a staggering 92% of working Singaporeans are stressed. It is 8% higher than the global average at 84%. Numerous reports have shown that stress in Singaporeans predominantly culminates in the workplace. So a lot of us are actually suffering from workplace stress. 
and over 2 million GP appointments each year were for chest pain driven by stress-related mental health issues. About 240,000 people were sent to A&E every year for stress-related illnesses. And I know that we are not immune from that statistics. You know, Singaporeans are among the most sleep-deprived nation worldwide. In fact, Singapore is the third most sleep-deprived of the 43 cities profiled in a report published recently. Only in Tokyo and Seoul, the people sleep lesser. So, maybe you are feeling stressed this morning. Maybe you are feeling anxious this morning because of your insecurity. Maybe because of you acting out of insecurity, you landed up, you know, with, with a problem. Maybe you birthed something that you unintended. Maybe you suffered some kind of loss due to poor decision-making. Or maybe you started to deviate from the Lord's plan and you ended up having to fight, to fight fires in your life. Today, I just want to very quickly go through three things we can learn from David. The first is remember God's mercy. Remember God's mercy. And uh, in 2 Samuel 24, verse 14 says, David said to God, I am in deep distress. Let us fall into the hands of the Lord, for His mercy is great. But do not let me fall into human hands. David chose for the nation to undergo three days of plague because David said that he would rather fall into the hands of God rather than fall into the hands of men because God's mercy are very great. David understood the mercy of God because he experienced God's mercy numerous times in his life. He experienced God's grace, God's favor, God's forgiveness for his adultery with Bathsheba, for the murder of Uriah. And when Saul was trying to take David's life, God showed mercy on David. When Absalom tried to take David's throne, God showed mercy. And the Bible tells us that in this occasion, although God judged Israel and 70,000 people perished, but when the angel was about to destroy Jerusalem, the Lord relented. The Lord relented and He said, Enough! Withdraw your hand. And that's the mercy of God. In our circumstances, remember God's mercy. I want to share this testimony of Adam. Let's call him Adam. He was a very successful man in the finance industry. He was a young entrepreneur. But one day, you know, he came to see me in my office and he was charged with afraid. You know why he's afraid? You know? And because he was crossing the road, someone unintentionally, uh, actually intentionally, okay, he, someone intentionally, while he was crossing the road, he intentionally tripped him. Because that guy was actually facing mental health issues. So, Adam reacted out of his insecurity and he, he lost his mind. He lost his mind at a point of time and he was so outraged that he took a, 
a wooden block on a magazine stand on the road and he started to hit that guy with that. Okay, and he caused a ruckus uh, in the NTUC, all right, facing the road. And I had to act for him uh, and it was one of the, you know, it was one of the most difficult cases because his sentence is right in the middle between a fine and a custodial sentence. It means that there is a prospect that he has to go to jail. And, and I acted for him, you know, we pleaded guilty. Many, many testimonials. I asked him to collect testimonies, you know, from, from his grassroots work. He was a good guy, you know, from his, his colleagues, from his bosses, you know, and he, he's actually a very compassionate man, right? And he got involved with grassroots. And, and so, and we prayed for him, right? And we prayed with him and his wife and his two young children. So on the day of sentencing, to, to our disappointment, he actually got jailed for three days. He actually got jailed for three days. And that was to us a setback because we were believing that God would actually give him a fine. Okay? And when I asked him, you know, Adam, uh, when would you like to go in for these three days, right? And he said, I would like to go in on the eve of Chinese New Year. And I would say, huh? You know, that got me thinking, Adam, why do you want to go into, why do you want to go to jail on the eve of Chinese New Year? You know, it's a time of reunion. It's a time where you should spend with your family. Why don't you consider going in after the eve of, after even Chinese New Year? And, and Adam, Adam said that, you know, uh, you know, I'm so busy in my work that that's the only time I can afford to go to jail. That is the only time I have time for jail. You know, Sam was like, okay, you know. Um, so, so I applied for Adam to go in on, on, on Trucy. And, I, and uh, so during my reunion dinner that year, uh, I actually um, was thinking of Adam and I was actually praying for him. You know, my heart was burdened and wondering how he was doing inside. And you know what? After dinner, I received a text. And it was from Adam's handphone number. I was like, you know, in my mind, uh, I didn't know what to expect because there can only be three reasons. Number one, he's, he left his handphone with his wife and his wife texted me. Okay, number two, uh, inmates nowadays are allowed to use handphone. I don't know whether there are prison officers here. Can you verify that? Uh, and number three, which is a harrowing thought that... Adam actually jumped bail and is on the run. <laughs> so I was, you know, conflicted and I was asked, hey, you know, by the way, bro, why, why, why are you texting me now, you know? Uh, I thought you were inside. And the long and short is that, you know, why Adam texted me was that he checked into jail and because, you know, he was in for three days and during Chinese New Year, they don't process the release of inmates. So what happened was he was discharged upon checking into jail. <laughs> oh my gosh, you know. So, I, you know, just in case if anyone is going in for three days, right? So, hallelujah. If that tip could come in handy. So I was just thinking about that and, you know, the reunion dinner must be so meaningful. <laughs> I mean, imagine the wife 
you know, and I'm coming back home and celebrating. And um, so I just want to tell all of us, you know, remember, guys, remember the mercy of God. Because the mercy of God can look very different from what you expect it to be, right? Can you imagine how the mercy of God actually broke into Adam's life that day? So even though we are going through, through tough situation or adversity, He is there in, a, in the valleys with us. He is there in our circumstances. He will not leave us nor forsake us. And very quickly, you know, um, the second point I want to, to, to share with us is that, is that King David, King David, you know, he not just remembered the mercy of God, but he took responsibility of his sin. He took responsibility of his sin. And he spoke to the, uh, to the Lord when he saw the angel. In verse 17, right, he, he spoke to the Lord when he saw the angel who was striking down the people and he said, Behold, it is I who have sinned and it is I who have done wrong. But this sheep, what have they done? Please let your hand be against me and be against my father's house. And David understood right, the importance of taking responsibility for his sin. And how many of us know that insecurity is a sin? You know, insecurity is a sin because it, it, finding our worth in anything other than Christ and his redemptive love is a sin. When we don't trust God, because of insecurity, we are saying that Christ is not worthy. Christ is not worthy. And how many of us know that anxiety is a sin? And anxiety is a sin, right? I'm not talking about emotional response when, when we face danger. I'm not talking about that, that anxiety. I'm not talking about clinical anxiety that we have no control over. And I pray that God will heal you if you ever encounter that. But I'm talking about worry. I'm talking about worry because a lot of times we worry because we lack trust in God. Right? And Philippians 4, 6 says, do not be anxious about anything but in every situation. It's a command. Do not be anxious. Are you anxious this morning? The word of the Lord says, do not be anxious. Do not worry. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So this morning, I just want to encourage us to take responsibility for our thought life. To take responsibility for our thought life. Because the world drives fear, the world drives anxiety, the world drives worry into us. But you know what? Romans 12.2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And God renews our mind as we come before Him. God renews our mind with thoughts of peace, with thoughts of love, with thoughts of His goodness, with His rest. So God is a trustworthy God and we can place our worries our and our anxieties upon Him. So the third point, very quickly, got to end soon, is that David built the altar in repentance. David built the altar in repentance. And in light of God's mercy, the prophetic word came 
from the angel, God's angel to the prophet God. Okay, and the prophet God actually told David about the solution. Go and erect, okay, an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Arauna, the Jebusite. So in God's mercy, he actually provided the solution to David to stop the plague. And the altar actually became a gateway back to God's presence. If there's one thing that we can remember this morning, the altar became a gateway back to God's presence. And the altar represented David's heart of repentance. It represented, it represented David's willingness to turn from his sin. And David said sorry to God. What did David repent from? His insecurity, his pride, his lack of trust. And he told Arana, I'm going to pay for the altar. Don't give it for me free. He paid a price for the altar because the posture of repentance caused David. The altar of repentance, the posture of repentance will cost us. And a lot of times, it will cause us to lay down our pride, our ego. It will inconvenience us because we, are, we have to say sorry to God. We may have to say sorry to other people. So David made atonement for his sin, right? By offering the burnt offerings and the peace offerings on the altar. And I just want to just share this thought with us in closing. What is atonement? What is atonement? Atonement, if you break down that word, it means at one with. At one with. And men actually means state of. So contentment, for example, is a state of being content. Right? So atonement is the state of being at one with God. Right? And in the Old Testament, we understand that the sacrificial system was to bring a repentant sinner back into the presence and the dwelling of God. Now I want to ask all of us, as we gather together this morning, who has made atonement for our sin? Louder? Jesus, hallelujah. Jesus, the Lamb of God who took away our sin because Jesus is our sin bearer. He frees us from our sin and reconciles us to God. Right? Jesus is the perfect sacrifice that once and for all fulfilled the righteous requirements of the law. And Jesus went all the way to the cross and died to be a perfect sacrifice to reconcile us back to God. So that through the finished work on the cross, we can once again dwell in God's presence. And I just want to invite the worship team to come up because when Christ paid for our atonement, Christ became our sin bearer. Christ redeemed us from the clutches of the enemy. So even though we can be feeling insecure this morning, that sin has been paid for, that sin has been dealt with. So plead the blood of Christ over our insecurity. Plead the blood of Christ over our worry. Plead the blood of Christ over our anxiety. And because of Christ's atonement, we can come to God's throne 
with full trust that we will receive mercy and grace. In Hebrews 4.16 says, let, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. Let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So I just want to invite the worship team to lead us in this song in a response in closing. And I just want to invite all of us as sons and daughters to stand where we are. You know, brothers and sisters, we might have come to church today feeling insecure, feeling anxious, feeling worrisome. And some of us could, could be losing sleep. Maybe we have made some poor decisions out of our insecurities. Maybe we have done something that we wish we hadn't done. But I just want to encourage all of us with this verse, which is in Isaiah 30, verse 15. It says, In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. God is a trustworthy God. Even in the most dire of circumstances, remember that God is merciful. He will help you. He will restore you. Let's go into a time of reflection and repentance of our anxieties and worries. Let's respond together. Would you place your heart over your head over your heart? Lord, come and purify our hearts this morning, Lord. Purify my heart. And purify my heart. Let me be as gold and precious silver. Purify my heart, let me be as gold, pure gold. Refine as fire, refine as fire, my heart's one desire. To be holy, set apart for you, oh Lord, I choose to be.
ready to do your will. Purify my heart, cleanse me from within. Purify my heart and cleanse me from my fear and make me holy. Purify my heart, cleanse me from my sin. Deep within, refine us fire, and my heart's one desire. Is to be holy, set apart, set apart for you, Lord. I choose to be holy, set apart for you. Ready to do your will. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let's say a prayer of confession and repentance to God in our own way. Let's confess of our sin of insecurity. Let's confess of our sin of not trusting Him enough. Let's confess of our sin of worry and anxiety. And let's build that altar, that altar that signifies our repentance and come into His presence to receive mercy, to receive grace in our time of need. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank You, Lord, this morning for this special time with You. And I thank You for my brothers and sisters that God, You know and you know what we are going through. Lord, you know each and every one of our situations. You know each and every one of our challenges and our difficulties. And we thank you that because of Christ's atonement for us on the cross, that we can come boldly with confidence to your throne. And Lord, we repent, Lord. We repent that we don't trust you many a times. Repent that God, we get anxious easily. We repent, oh God, that many a times we are shaken by what's happening around the world and we come and we ask for your grace and your mercy. We pray for your grace and your mercy to flood this sanctuary right now and a fresh impartation of your grace and your mercy to be upon every river lifer both in the sanctuary and those watching over live stream, Lord. God, receive, receive. May we receive your grace and your mercy for our time of need, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We receive it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let's receive God's benediction for us. May the love of God our Father, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship and the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit be with you today 
until we meet again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Give a big hand to the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to the River Life Podcast. We hope that you've encountered Jesus through the Word. If you'd like to connect with community or find out more about River Life Church, find us on Facebook, Instagram, or head on over to riverlife.org.sg. God bless and have a great week ahead.